Um, interesting title tonight, New Covenant Sacrifices. Now, the New Covenant being a reference to what we also know as the New Testament. How many of you, even if you're new to church, you've heard the term Old Testament and New Testament? The Old Testament's the first part of the Bible and the New Testament's the, the second half of the Bible. Well, what makes the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? I can sum up the difference between the two with one name. Jesus. Because <laughs> the, the Old Testament was written all about the one who was to come. The four Gospels, which is the start of the, what we call the New Testament, is the story of the one who came. And then you've got the, the book of Acts, and that's the continuation of what Jesus came to do. Then you've got the epistles, which is the explanation of what Jesus did and how it benefits us. And then you've got the book of Revelation, which is the consummation. It tells you how the story's going to end. So it's a, a beautiful thing for us to have that understanding of the, the Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant, and that the difference between the two, what makes the old new? It's Jesus. So now that we're living on this side of the cross, because if you look in your Bible in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, you, you see uh, the, the, uh, the idea of priests offering sacrifices and, and all the specific instructions that God had regarding offering sacrifices and how to do it and who should do it and when you ought to do it and so on. But is there anything in, in the New Testament that addresses believers in Jesus that talks about sacrifices. And I got to tell you, yes, there is. And we're going to dig into that right here, right now, tonight. First of all, I need to inform you of something that if you, if you don't know, now you're going to know that if you are a believer in Jesus, the scripture says that you are a king and a priest. The scripture says that in Revelation 1, 6, and also in chapter 5, verse 10, you can put it up there. It says, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Kings and priests. Now, now we can go ahead and elaborate on both of those, but the, the part I want to focus in tonight is that we are priests to our God. And the, the interesting thing is that we're going to see that, that it's in that context that as priests, we are still offering sacrifices here in the time of the new covenant, but it's different than what they were offering in the old covenant. First of all, you're not offering a sacrifice for sin or an offering for sin because that one was already taken care of. You can't improve on it. You can't add to it. Jesus was the offering for sin once and for all. Hallelujah. So therefore, we're not offering an offering for sin or sacrifice for sin because Jesus was the only one who could be that and he was that and the scripture says he did it once and for all. But we do offer spiritual sacrifices like we see in 1 Peter 2. 
you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now you get the benefit tonight because in my own notes, I highlighted certain words and I didn't realize that I sent the highlighted version to our media team, but they took me up on it. And so they've highlighted, as you see the red there, they've highlighted everything I got highlighted. So, so, so y'all got the benefit of my notes up on the screen tonight. All right. So, so we are living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. That's you. That's me to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, the idea of offering up a sacrifice, it can be acceptable or not acceptable. You have a a good example of that back in the Old Testament real close to the beginning with two brothers, one called Cain and the other called Abel. One who had an acceptable sacrifice and one who had an unacceptable sacrifice. But but we, as a holy priesthood, are to offer up spiritual sacrifices and that these sacrifices are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you see three key words there. You see the word... um, Offer, offer, offering, related words. So you see offer, then you see sacrifices, and you also see another key word, that word in red, acceptable. Someone say acceptable. Now, uh, Ephesians 5, this is going to... be, be interesting for us to read right now at this point in time. Verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. We're going to find out what the Bible uh, uh, points out to us in the new covenant as the sacrifices that we can offer to the Lord today as the New Testament priesthood, as the New Testament kings and priests. What can we offer up to the Lord today? That's what we're going to find out. We're going to find out what is acceptable to the Lord because these spiritual sacrifices that we're supposed to offer, the whole idea of offering something to God is not for him to reject it, but for him to accept it. Now, here's the thing. We learned this Sunday. In Christ, he's accepted you. He's accepted me. Amen? So we understand that. So the idea of the acceptable is, is not the, the person themselves. Because when you're washed in the blood, you're acceptable. 
When you're washed in the blood and the old is gone and the new is here, you are acceptable. You are acceptable to God, a son and daughter of the Most High God. And yet at the same time, the the New Testament being written to God's acceptable people is still talking to them about how to do things acceptably. What does that mean? That means that we have the privilege and, 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 and the honor to, to be able to live. What's that bang that keeps on going on? I don't know if that's my mic or my battery, but if we can do something about that, that'd be great. Thanks, guys. Um, but, but, but what we're doing now is, is we are living on the outside according to what's on the inside. You're not living on the outside in a way like you're trying to get something. uh, What we do as believers, we're not trying to earn something or get something or achieve something. We're living our life according to what's already in there and who we already are in Christ. So therefore, you're not trying to get something. In other words, your good works now as a believer are not the, the, the root of your salvation. They're the fruit of your salvation. You're not doing something to try to get something. You're doing something because you are something. Hallelujah. Are you with me on that? So let's go ahead and dig into this and let's find out what's acceptable to the Lord. What sacrifices here under this new covenant are acceptable to the Lord. And the first thing I want to point out to you is that we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. You know, Paul made reference to himself at the point of his death in the last chapter he wrote, which is 2 Timothy 4, that he was being poured out like a drink offering. He also used that same terminology over in uh, Philippians 2.17 where he said, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So we see this idea of Paul looking at himself as a drink offering being poured out. But then we also see what to some of you may be a very familiar portion of scripture. That being Romans 12.1 which says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And the New American Standard of that says, which is your spiritual service of worship. So we see that here, and uh, that's a a beautiful picture, that we are uh, enabled to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, Talking about the body and the the fact that we are not to treat the body as though it's our own, but to treat the body as though it belongs to the Lord. And uh, that's uh, seen real clearly over in 1 Corinthians 6. And this is where Paul messes with your business here. Actually, that's not the one I want. That's a... um, Let's see. Oh, there it is. Because the whole verse is up there. I'm looking for part B. So let, let's start right there in the middle where it says, now the body. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but 
for the Lord and the Lord for the body. If you want to know what the purpose of your body is, what am I supposed to do with my body? Well, I got to tell you, you don't own it. You, you know, uh, the, the, the idea of it's my body and I do with my body whatever I want to. Well, if you go back to, to the origin, uh, you realize you did not make yourself. You did not create yourself. You have a creator. And, and so your body is not for you to do whatever you want to do. It's not for you to inject whatever you want to inject into it. It's not for you to abuse it in any way you want to abuse it. And it's not for you to, uh, uh, yeah, do that stuff. Hey, hey, come on now. Welcome to church. Praise the Lord. It's not for you to, 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 uh, uh, go crazy sexually with your body. What, what the body is for is the body is for the Lord. So when we're offering our body to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in a position where our body is going back to the one who made it. It's in the hands of the one who made it, and it does a whole lot better in his hands than it does in our hands. Can I hear an amen? And in the process of wanting to be holy and acceptable, what we do is we keep out things that are unholy and unacceptable, which is why Paul said in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven that I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Because I don't want to let my body run wild and think it's the boss and let it do whatever it wants to do because we're always cognizant of the fact that this is not mine. This belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. And why do you need to discipline your body? Because your body wants to do stuff that's unacceptable. Mine too. Come on, somebody. Preach it. Let's tell the truth. Let's just be honest. All right. So we see that uh, as the, the number one way that we can offer the sacrifice to God. In these New Testament times, it's the sacrifice of our body. is a living sacrifice to Him. Number two, you can offer a sacrifice to God by doing good. Don't forget to do good. Now, what on earth is that about? Well, let's take a look in the scripture here. This is um, Hebrews 13. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Next verse. But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So here we go. God is well pleased with the sacrifice of doing good. Hallelujah. Now think about this. This is Acts, Acts 10 verse 35. It says, but in every nation, whoever fears him works righteousness is accepted by him. What is working righteousness? Well, that's right in line with, with what doing good is about. Let me put it to you like this. To work righteousness, someone say, well, wait a minute. I thought righteousness was a free gift, not by work. So what's it talking about working righteousness? Well, hold on a minute. To work righteousness is to act 
like I said before, in line with the new nature. Hey, guys, if I can't get this thing resolved, I'll just grab a handheld. Just let me know. So to work righteousness is act in line with the new nature, which God has gifted to you. He's gifted that to you. He's given that to you. Amen. So therefore, you work in righteousness. Hi, sweetheart. To walk, I need to watch her walk down the aisle. You know, I just get all butterflies and stuff. Lord have mercy. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, where was I? <laughs> Here we go. So to work righteousness is to act in line with the new nature which God has gifted to you. So in other words, when you're working righteousness, you've got the gift of righteousness inside of you. You've got righteousness, God's free gift credited to your account inside of you. What you're doing is you're just living on the outside and allowing to demonstrate on the outside what God has freely put on the inside. You're not working for it, but you're working it. Someone say, work it. Because when you work it, you're not working for it. You're not working to try to get it. You already got it. You're just putting to work what you got. Hey, are you with me? All right. And then the scripture also says in Galatians 5. No, it must be Galatians 6. I must have written down the wrong one. Yep, it's Galatians 6 and verse 9 that says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing. So I gave the wrong verse. It's 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So what's well-doing? That's doing good. As a matter of fact, there's a translation that says, let us not grow weary while doing good. So while you're offering up to God the sacrifice of doing good, you're going to be tempted to get weary. Oh, don't look at me like that. You know I'm telling the truth. And, and, and what, what happens along the way is that when you're doing good, you're going to be sidetracked by thoughts and, and things that would try to get your attention and sidetrack you to say, well, yeah, I know you've been doing that, but is it really worth it? Or that little nagging voice that said, yeah, and how's that working for you? But I do believe, glory to God, that, that if we can just forget about that, forget about the stuff that would try to wear us down and, and, and get us out of sorts when we're looking to follow God and, and, and offer to him the sacrifices that he's so worthy of, that, that if we just go ahead and do it and press in, truly the words will come to pass that in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Well, reap from doing what? Reap from not growing weary while doing good. So that's a, another one of the sacrifices that we can offer to God here in these new covenant times. That of doing good. Now, are you ready? There's more. The Bible says, don't forget to share. Share, which really is another word for give. But let's go ahead and take, take a look at that. We read this verse already, but let's read it again. It's Hebrews 13, because uh, it, it mentions 
these in kind of a cluster here. It says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. This is another one of those sacrifices that we can offer to God here as New Testament kings and priests. We can offer to God the sacrifice of sharing or giving. And uh, uh, it, it's, not, uh, it, it's not evident anywhere else more clearly than it is in the life of an Italian guy called Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. So here we go, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms, your giving, your sharing have come up for a memorial before God. Someone say God took notice. As, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you, God's sense of smell is real good. Which means when there's something sweet rising before him, uh, a pleasant fragrance rising before him. Mmm, he enjoys it. But he also notices when something just stinks. Come on, somebody. Lord, help. But this here is not something that stinks. This is a, a pleasant fragrance that's rising up before him. What we're going to do, let, let's skip over uh, Galatians 6, 6. Um, uh, th- that's a verse that says, Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. But, but we're not going to go ahead and focus on that right now. I want to go to 1 Timothy 6. And uh, what else does the Bible say about this sharing idea? And, of course, sharing being giving. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give Willing to share. Everybody say, ready to give. Willing to share. Ready to give. Willing to share. Now, that is what Hebrews 13 calls one of the sacrifices that God is well pleased with. We see it uh, in the life of Cornelius where his giving came up as a memorial before God. Now, what's the bottom line of this kind of sharing and giving? Let's check it out because you're going to go ahead and see a good example of a church participating in this kind of sharing. It's the church of Philippi in uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 14. Paul says to them, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know Also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in 
Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Now, before we read this, you can keep it up there, but before we read this, do you see clearly that this sharing that's going on, he's talking about the way that church is supporting him financially. Can you see that? Let's go on reading. Not that I seek the gifts, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. And now what does he say about these things that were sent from them through Epaphroditus to Paul? He said it's a sweet-smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And what happens when you do this kind of sharing and you offer up this kind of an acceptable sacrifice? Verse 19 happens, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is somebody excited about giving tonight? Hallelujah. So when you do this kind of sharing with the right heart and the right motive, because you see, one of the things that God's nose is sensitive to is motives. Which is why Jesus in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 was very clear to say regarding fasting, regarding giving, regarding public praying, that if you're doing something to be seen by men, that's all the reward you're going to get. Because the motive is wrong. So you're not going to get any more reward other than that pat in the back you already got from, what's his name? But when you're doing something out of the right heart, the pure heart, it's a sweet-smelling aroma before God. And it's what this verse calls, Ephesians 4.18, calls an acceptable sacrifice. And what was the result of that kind of giving? That God would supply all their need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, which is pretty good because if the Lord were to supply your need according to your riches, you see, that's part of the problem because you don't have all the riches you need to supply the need. If you had all the riches you need to supply the need, you probably want to need him. But when you don't have all the riches you need to supply the need, you know you need him. But the good thing is that because he does this according to his riches, what does that mean? Hey, that means that this is coming out of his account. And his account is endless. Glory to be to God. There's no shortage of the riches and glory to take care of what we need. Hallelujah. We thank God for that. Now, let's check out another one. Are you ready for another one? So what have we talked about so far? We talked about offering our, ourselves as a living sacrifice. We talked about doing good. We talked about sharing. Now we're going to talk about the fruit of our lips. What you say. Hey. Now, uh, Hebrews thirteen fifteen in the Amplified Bible. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. Now, 
we're going to go ahead and specifically look at the fruit of our lips here in relation to our confession. What is our confession? It's what we say. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 3, 1, very clearly that Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. So what does the Bible say about words and the power of words in regard to offering a sacrifice to the Lord? Check this out. This is, this is serious. This is Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. Take words with you. It, it, that's interesting. Some, someone might say, take this with you, take that with you. Don't forget to take this. Don't forget to take that. But the prophet, in, in, in giving people commands about approaching the Lord, he said, take words with you. And return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. One of the sacrifices, and we just read in Hebrews, is the fruit of our lips. And here we are offering the sacrifice of our lips. We're going to the Lord and we're taking words with us. Now you remember that Jesus said regarding the religious people of his day that Isaiah spoke very well to describe them that they draw near with their lips, but their heart is far from them. And you know what? That's a sad state to be in. But if you really are drawing near to the Lord with your heart, you obviously are drawing near to him with your mouth too. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if it's possible in one sense of the word, in the negative sense, to be drawing near to God with your lips, saying all the right little religious things, but your heart's far from him. But if you're really going after him with all your heart, your words are going to be in alignment too. Can I hear an amen on that? The Bible talks about Psalm 119, talks about offering up the free will offerings of my mouth. The psalmist said, accept, I pray. The free will offerings of my mouth. Look at Psalm 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, there's that word again, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, as you're offering up the fruit of your lips to him, your goal and your desire is that those are found to be acceptable in his sight. And that's the thing that's all over the Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs 10 verse 32. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. Hmm. And even the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book, the, the writer of that book. You know very well could have been Solomon. But, but, but he described himself as the preacher. And Ecclesiastes 12.10, it says the preacher sought to find acceptable words. Come on. So you see the idea of words and the power of these words and the fact that when these words are being offered up to God, that what we're looking for, we're looking for words that are acceptable. 
You want words that are acceptable to God? I'll give you a real good hint. God agrees with himself and he knows he's right about everything. If you want to offer up some words, some fruit of your lip to God that is going to be acceptable in his sight, go ahead and say something to him that he already said and he'll agree with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. He'll agree with you because he agrees with himself. He knows he's right. And he's not pompous about it. He just knows. He knows he's right. His word is truth. So you want to offer up something that is acceptable before God? You want to offer up some acceptable words before him? Say what he's already said. Hallelujah. Now, one of the manifestations of this fruit of our lips is... The prayers of the saints. Because when we're praying, what are we doing? We're offering up our words to him. So this is one of the manifestations of that fruit of our lips. It comes through in the prayers of the saints. Now, let's go back to Acts 10. We read it already. We can skip verse 1. Uh, yeah, we'll start here. Verse 2. Describing Cornelius, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and prayed to God always. Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers... And your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Once again, the same thing God said about his giving or his sharing was the same thing God was saying about his praying. He said, something smells good. I need to send an angel down there. Something smells good that's rising up before me. So God himself sent an angel to this Italian man. Glory to God. Now, let's look at verse 4 in the Amplified Bible. And he, gazing intently at him, because uh, became frightened and said, What is it, Lord? And the angel said to him, Your prayers and your generous gifts to the poor have come up as a sacrifice to God. So the, the, the New King James used that word memorial. Here, it actually uses the word a sacrifice to God. And, and and have been remembered by him. His giving and his prayers, we're talking about the prayers right now, have, are coming up as a sacrifice to God. And he's remembered them. They got his attention and he never forgot about it. You might think, well, it's been a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's been a while, Lord. Yeah, we've been at this a while. We've been walking this walk for a while. We've been praying this out for a while. Yeah, any time now would be good, Lord. But I want you to know that when it comes to prayers that are offered up before God and offered up to him in faith, he remembers them. And I got to tell you, he's, he's got a good memory. But we see this terminology throughout the scripture especially when it comes to prayer and understanding prayer as a sacrifice the prayers of the saints is something that is offered up before god you see this kind of terminology in the book of acts that constant prayer was offered to god are you with me 
the Bible also says that describing Jesus and, and his prayer and what I believe to be his prayer specifically in the Garden of Gethsemane. It said that he offered up prayers and supplications. So the idea of offering up, you see that word offer, offering, that's one of our key words that we talked about in the beginning, has to do with this as being one of the sacrifices that we can offer up to him. And it's interesting that when it comes to prayer, how many of you remember the the, uh, command of Paul to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, and this is not something that, that we should do around election time only. We should do this all the time. Because, Lord, it's all the time between elections that people need it the most. It's to pray for kings and for all their authority. And it says to do it first of all. That that should be a priority to us. And, and, and it says that the reason why we do this is that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable. There's another one of those key words again, acceptable, that this prayer, this kind of prayer being in the order that it ought to be, because he put an order on it. He said, first of all, he said, if you want to prioritize your prayers, put this one top of the list. First of all, Pray for kings and for all that are in authority. And as you do, what happens? This is good and acceptable in the sight of God. We're in the same way where Cornelius prayed and, and God said, hmm, something smelled good. That, that, that when, when we pray in line with the way he told us to pray, it's acceptable to him. That means our prayers are smelling good too. Woo. Now, what happens to our prayers? You want to have a little fun here? I want to have a little fun with you. Now, we saw this. Remember Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, that, that his prayers came up as a memorial or as a sacrifice before God. And what did God do? God sent an angel. Isn't that right? What does Psalm 103 say? Psalm 103 in verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. What do you think an angel is going to do when he hears the word being spoken? Hey, somebody, what do you think an angel is going to do when he hears the word being spoken? He's going to perk up. He's heeding it. He, he, he actually does what we ought to do, which means when we hear the word, we take it as our instructions, not an option of what we might do if we feel like it. So the angel hears the word and says, that's something I need to get right down to. We need to get right down to business and do that. Now check this out. So we know that the angels heed the voice of his word. We got that, right? Now look at Daniel. Chapter 10, and I want to see a key thing that is revealed in uh, Daniel's prayer life. This is the words of an angel to Daniel. Listen. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Is anybody in church tonight? 
This angel said to Daniel that I have come because of your words. So what these angels doing? They're they're heeding the voice of the word. And when you're speaking the word, they're coming to get it. This angel said to him, he said, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Woo. And now what? Now let's take a little stroll to the book of Revelation chapter 8. And let's connect some dots here. So we see the angels heeding the voice of the word. We see that angel saying to Daniel regarding his prayer that I came for your words. The, the, The moment you prayed, I came for those words. And now we see this picture in the third and fourth verse of Revelation 8. It says, then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Verse 4, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. So let's put it all together now. We got a picture. The angels heed the voice of the word. We know that. Well, there's old Daniel. He's praying. So what do the angels do? That angel shows up and says, your words have been heard and I have come for your words. And what does the angel do after that? This gives us a picture of what happens next. That that angel hand delivers those words and lets them ascend up before God. Woo! Is there anybody getting excited about prayer? When you get the picture of what happens behind the scenes and that you're not just throwing empty words up into empty air, but that when you speak the word of God, when you pray the word of God, angels get tuned in to what you're saying. They get excited about what you're saying. They're paying attention. They're giving heed to what you're saying. They go to where you're at. Pick up your words. They come for your words. They go before the throne of God and let those words, let those prayers ascend up from his hand to the very throne of God. Somebody needs to shout hallelujah. Wow. Well then, If we're offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, if we're doing good, if we're sharing and giving, and then as we come on over here, as we're following through on uh, the, the other things that we mentioned, uh, on, on our confession, offering up the fruit of our lips, our, our words to God. And one of those manifestations of the fruit of our lips is the, um, uh, the, the, our prayers, the prayers of the saints. What's next? The sacrifice of praise. And how fitting that once you pray something, you should get your praise on. That, that seems to be in the right order. 
I'm going to pray and then I'm going to praise. Why am I going to praise? Because I'm praising because I believe that what I prayed was heard. I'm praising because though I don't see it yet and though I don't feel it yet and though it doesn't look like anything changed, I'm praising because I believe that what happened behind the scenes is exactly what I saw described in scripture. That the angel heard my words. He showed up and picked up my words and hand delivered them to the throne of God. So therefore, I'm going to go ahead and praise God with the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us once in a while, sometimes when you feel like it. When, when you're not that worried about being cute or looking dignified. No, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Someone say the sacrifice of praise. You know, it, it, this is a perfectly fitting thing for us as New Testament priests to do. Did you know that? Well, if you don't know, let me enlighten you tonight with a little bit of First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light one of the jobs of us as a royal priesthood is to proclaim the praises (laughs) hallelujah that's one of our jobs as the royal priesthood proclaim the praises offer the sacrifice of praise to God Look at this. This is beautiful. This is Psalm 141. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Why this kind of emphasis on the sacrifice of praise? The lifting up of our hands as the evening sacrifice. And so much more that we don't have time to look into. Why is praise important? Praise is important because it turns things around. Praise turns things around. See, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So this, this praise, this, this offering of praise, this lifting up of the hands is a very, very important thing in relation to turning things around. That's why it's interesting. Hebrews 12, 12 talks about strengthening the hands which hang down. How many of you have felt like your praise needs help sometime? That, 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 that you need help just getting your hands up? Because life gets tough and and circumstances get tough and and crazy people get tough to deal with. And and it's tough to lift up your hands sometimes. That's why the scripture would say such a thing as that to strengthen the hands which hang down. Think about this. Think about Moses over in Exodus 17. The scripture says when he held up his hands, Israel prevailed. 
And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Moses' hands got heavy because it's a long battle. And, I'm, you know, he got tired after a while. But he had some helpers to his praise. He had Aaron on one side and her on the other that set up a rock for him to sit on. And said, all right, Moses, I got the left. All right, Moses, I got the right. And we're going to keep those hands lifted up. And Moses had his hands lifted up steady to the going down of the sun and Joshua and the army defeated Amalek and the people of Amalek with the edge of the sword. Praise turns things around. Paul and Silas (laughs) in a Philippian jail, dirty, nasty. They thought they were getting a manicure and a pedicure, but that was just a local prison rat. Lord, help us. You you, you know, Paul would have done good on Wall Street because he was always into stocks and bonds, you know, and he was at it again. Stocks and bonds in the Philippian jailhouse. Beaten up. But the scripture says in Acts chapter 16 that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, offered up a sacrifice of praise. And sometimes praise is a sacrifice because sometimes the moment you do it is not the moment you feel like doing it. It's not like Sunday morning, go to church and and you hear the right note and you hear the preacher say the right thing. He's like, oh, I feel it. There's sometimes you praising them and you don't feel it. You do anything but feel it. It's the antithesis of you feeling it. You know, you're feeling good and juicy at other times, and now you feel like you need to go ahead and give an altar call and then raise your hand and respond to your own altar call. You're not feeling all that hot right now. But anyhow, despite that, you praise him anyways. You praise him anyways. And by offering up the sacrifice of praise to God, there in that Philippian jail at midnight, what happened? There was an earthquake. That place shook. Talk about jailhouse rock. That was the original. Hey. And I tell you, everybody's uh, bonds were loosed. And you've got the keeper of the jail looking around and saying, oh boy, I'm in trouble. I might as well end it right now. And Paul said, oh no, 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 don't end it. We're all here. And what happens? That guy and his household get saved that very night. And how did all that Holy Ghost party get started? It got started because men were offering up the sacrifice of praise to God. So what's up with these new covenant sacrifices? Well, let me break it down to you. Present your bodies, yourselves as a living sacrifice. Don't forget to do good. And don't forget to share or to give. Offer up the fruit of your lips, your words, your confession to him. To the high priest of your confession, the Lord Jesus Christ. The prayers of the saints, your prayers. Don't ever forget that. The angel comes to get them and hand delivers them to the throne of God. Hallelujah. And never, ever forget 
to offer up the sacrifice of praise because praise turns things around and if you've got something that needs to be turned around why don't you go ahead and stand up right now and don't care who's next to you and give some praise right now if you need something turned around praise him tonight praise him now go for it hallelujah We offer up the sacrifice of praise continually, continually, continually. (laughs) We offer up the sacrifice of praise to you continually. Glory to God. We thank you, Lord. Things are turning around. Things are turning around. Lord, Lord, if our hands have been hanging down, we thank you, Lord, that, that there's some people that are going to help us get beside us and help to keep our hands lifted up, keep the posture of praise until victory comes. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That we're going to maintain the posture of praise. We're going to go ahead and lift up our hands instead of letting our hands hang down. We're not going to hang down our head when it's time to praise. Because you are our glory and the lifter up of our head. Glory be to God forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Yeah, there's something about pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. When you know something's got to turn around, when you know it's been going the wrong direction and it needs to take a U-turn. Hallelujah. <laughs> Something about offering up sacrifices to God. And I'm not talking about dead works. I'm talking about living sacrifices. To get God's attention. It smells good to him. Yeah. Hallelujah. I think we've seen something tonight about getting the attention of heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God forever. Lord, we believe you're doing a great work, a deep work. A significant work in your people. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God forever. Stay standing. Stay standing. Don't sit down yet. But I got a question. If you're here tonight and, and, and you just.